but we inform with facts, but we influence with emotion. And so if you're just looking to tell someone something about your university, then the facts are all you need. But if you want them to feel something about your university, then you need to influence them. And, and the way to do that is to evoke an emotional reaction. And, and that only comes through storytelling and good storytelling at that. Fine if you want to have your rankings and your news releases and stuff like that. And we do a ton of that too. Mm -hmm. But to influence, you're going to need emotion. And the way to do that is through storytelling all day long. Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast on the Bee Podcast Network. This is a podcast dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name is John Azoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled, and we're a video production company working specifically with college marketing teams on automating their student and alumni success stories through a subscription approach. Uh, if you're interested, you can learn more about that at unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D. Or if you want to chat directly with me, you can find me on LinkedIn or find my contact info on the contact page of our website. If you're looking for me on LinkedIn, my last name is spelled A-Z-O-N-I. Also, if you want to create a deeper emotional impact with your institution's storytelling and content creation efforts, consider joining my newsletter. Every week, I send out a dose of insights and inspiration, uh, things like case studies and best practices from other institutions, uh, tips for creating content that resonates and inspires action, and uh, that week's podcast episode and more. So the link to sign up is in the show notes of this episode, or if you catch any of my posts on LinkedIn, chances are there will be a link in one of those posts. My guest today is Andy Fuller. Andy's the executive director of brand content at the University of Notre Dame. And in this episode, we go deep on the power of narrative owners and storytelling to strengthen your university's brand. Uh, key takeaways would be what narrative ownership is and why it's so important for universities to own the stories about their history, buildings, traditions, uh, etc., rather than letting others shape that narrative. Uh, Andy shares great examples from Notre Dame's history, uh, the process Notre Dame uses for identifying stories to tell, including social listening and checking mentions on social, uh, tips for finding uh, compelling stories and research breakthroughs and conveying why your university matters to people through relatable examples. Uh, also, we talk about advice for rolling out content across platforms, starting with internal audiences first. And we'll also give you a behind the scenes look at how Notre Dame's creative team works together to bring stories to life across mediums, uh, the power of evoking motions through stories versus just stating facts and stats. Uh, and Andy's key piece of advice, focus on telling your authentic stories first, irrespective of what other universities are doing. All right, so let's get into the show. Here's my conversation with Andy Fuller. Well, Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. John, thanks for having me. It's a, it's great to be here. Awesome. So um, I want to start off the show by asking you, um, what's something that people would be surprised to know about you? Yeah. Um, so, okay, I'm going to date myself uh, a little bit here. But if you recall, um, back when MTV uh, was mostly about music, so mm -hmm. um, early 2000s or so, they had uh, a show called TRL. Total Request Live, right? Hosted by Carson Daly. I remember it. Yeah, good. Um, well, I made uh, two appearances on TRL. Um, one of them was a, a speaking role. I gave a shout out, as it was called. Um, and in another episode, I actually got a t-shirt for being the wildest member of the studio audience. Uh, and I wow. still have the t-shirt and I did not wear it today, unfortunately. But um, yeah, most people who meet me, um, that is a a surprising thing to learn. So MTV, two you, appearances. And and did you get the t-shirt from Carson Daly? No, <laughs> no, it was uh, one of the, like the studio um, crew was like, this guy right here. And I'm like, oh me? 
And uh, I was with my college roommates at the time, and they were like, wow, this is crazy. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun time in New York, capped off by um, uh, appearance on TRL. I went into television after that, um, so maybe that was the, actually the birth of my, my television career. I don't know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it, wor- it well, worked that's out. That's awesome. <laughs> that's cool. I used to come home from school every day. My sister and I would plop on the couch and, and watch TRL. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> gosh, like I can't remember, like Limp Biscuit was out. Oh, there, yeah. And, like <laughs> there was yeah, uh, kind of stuff. I think my shout out was during a Blink 182 song or something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was one of my friends did record the episode. And I think he's just holding it for like blackmail material for yeah. when I run for office or something like that. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. I love that story. <laughs> Thanks for sharing yep. that. All right. So, so you are, um, uh, the brand leader at Notre Dame. Tell us what's your official title. Tell us about your role a little bit. Yeah, sure. So I'm executive director of brand content at, at Notre Dame. And actually the brand content unit is a fairly new one, uh, just kind of came together under its, um, current, uh, iteration on, on July 1st. And basically John, what we do is we help people, um, care about Notre Dame and help them and help explain why we matter. Cause ultimately that's what your brand is. It's why people should care about you and, and, and why you matter. And we, we try to um, orient our storytelling and our content uh, around like those two, two big goals, make people care, tell them why we matter. That's awesome. I like that. So tell me about your team. What, what's your team layout look like? Yep. So I have, um, so social media. So if you think about like at Notre Dame on Twitter, at Notre Dame on Instagram, like the main social media for the universities on our team. Uh, we have a couple people doing that. Uh, we have some videographers, some photographers, uh, a writer. We also source writing from around campus. Um, and then a, a web designer and, and, and a content specialist whose job is not only to kind of produce and package content, but also um, look at analytics, tell us how we're performing, how we can optimize, um, things like that. So got a multidisciplinary team of, um, 11 and, but then we kind of attach ourselves to other units either on campus or, or within our division. And then of course we, um, are much bigger when, when we do that. So we do a lot of stories, um, a lot of long form storytelling, uh, on indie.edu. Uh, if you think about the, the university's central digital presence, I mean, that's kind of where we spend a lot of our time. Um, so a lot of photo, video, social, uh, things like that. What, what you would normally think of in terms of brand content and storytelling. Yeah. What, what platforms are you guys most active on right now? Yeah. I mean, other than like the, the main, um, you know, web properties, uh, Instagram is one that we're just, we just can't spend enough time there. Um, really we're seeing a ton of engagement and it's interesting as we're recording this, it feels like Instagram is, um, swinging the pendulum back to, to reels. Um, you know, it kind of was there a while, then they were like, well, no, we're, we're really about still images again. And, and now it's coming back to, to reels. So that video, um, you know, component of our, of our portfolio just continues to be really super important. So Instagram is, is a big one. Um, you know, we're looking at TikTok. obviously that's, uh, we're not there yet. Uh, but we're very interested in studying that and wondering what, um, the university presence there looks like. Um, we're on threads, you know, the first night, uh, that, that it launched, um, our, our social media manager hopped on, grabbed the Notre Dame handle, and we've been doing, um, a fair amount there as, as well. So, you know, those are some of the main social platforms. We, we of course have a, a, a presence on Facebook, um, as well, but, uh, you know, the one thing that we're really looking to do more in is, is YouTube. Uh, it sounds, it's kind of forgotten, 
um, sometimes, and it sounds kind of an obvious thing, but um, you know, YouTube, I think I read, is now the um, biggest podcasting platform um, out there. And so, you know, we need to pay really close attention to to YouTube and how to make how to maximize that for us as well. So we're as busy as we want to be, um, kind of keeping those plates spinning on on the on the various platforms. That's cool. Yeah, YouTube, you know, for this podcast, I've been very uh, involved with YouTube, but, but kind of passively, like not like really trying to, yeah. you know, game the system or SEO, whatever, but but just kind of taking snippets from the podcast as well as full episodes and putting them on YouTube and YouTube shorts. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been, you know, I've got some clips of, I mean, taken off relative to anything else that has not taken off, you know, for me. So taken off to me is like a thousand, fifteen hundred views, right? You know, something like that. And that and that's great. Uh, that's great. You know, I um, our podcast, yeah, it's uh, Notre Dame Stories is our podcast, and we've been doing it for about five years. And you know, I I always try to temper my expectations of streams and downloads and stuff like that because. You know, at the end of the day, if you have someone listening to you for 25 minutes, a half hour, whatever the episode is, that's a long time to spend with a brand. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like that means something. Yeah. And it can mean more than just a, a like, you know, or, or something like that. So the fact that they're interacting with your content for that amount of time, I think is significant. So I think that's great. Yeah. Even like, and I try to keep that in mind too, with, with all social media, like people are listening, you know, to you and, um, you know, I remember when I started really posting content regularly on LinkedIn, I was always just like, man, like nobody likes any of this stuff. No one comments and stuff like that. But then I would like see people I know, like from the business world, like in person, they'd be like, oh, I love what you're doing on LinkedIn. Mm. I'm like seeing your stuff. So like those impressions do matter, you know? Right. And people are, I think you just have to earn it a little more on LinkedIn, like with engagement. Like it, it takes a lot more than like the Facebook, you know, where it's like your family and friends and stuff like that. But but people, you know, yeah, I mean, and I know it's the same thing with like this podcast too. like the it's growing and growing. And but if you look at the back end numbers versus like my experience in meeting new people who have already heard about like, that's how I met you was I reached out to you and you're like, oh, I already listened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, well, cool. Um, you know, yeah. so a few of those 1500 or whatever, you know, you never know. They're like people in the industry and, you know, the, the folks you want to reach. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyways, yeah. So, and uh, and for YouTube, I, I just heard too, for storytelling, I mean, we, we can incorporate this later, but the shorts is just, uh, the shorts is has released a, a way that you can now connect the short videos to the long form mm-hmm. video. So I just think that's a cool opportunity for universities that are doing a lot of storytelling to take um, their long form thing, cut it up into a bunch of small little teasers and then point to the long thing. Um, I'm excited about that. I think that's going to be cool. No, I, I, you're exactly right. And we've kind of been doing that in a less efficient way um, already. So for, for YouTube to sort of um, reduce some of that friction from going uh, from platform to platform is, is really going to be helpful. Um, you know, you just got to find uh, the hands and the time to, um, to work on it. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the challenge for everyone, I think. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I talked to um, Darren Rubinick from, um, he's at uh, University of Central Missouri uh, on the podcast, and we were just talking about how just like social media overwhelm and threads coming out, and it's just, it's like reaching this tipping point where it's like, oh my gosh, it's just like, yeah. it's, uh, we feel like we need uh, like three or four different social media managers to just like, you know, just pay attention to these different algorithms. Yeah. It's, uh, it can be exhausting. You know, at, at Notre Dame, um, 
we were an army of of one. We had one person dedicated to central social media until um, J- July first, and then we hired our second. Um, so you know, it, it, she <laughs> Liz is is her name, our social media manager. She was um, you know burning it at both ends quite a bit, and and, mm-hmm. and as you said, the proliferation and you know the expansion of these platforms you know doesn't stop. And so you, you uh, if someone's making a hire, I would really look strongly at at that area as the area of most growth and most engagement uh, for for your university. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so we got you on here to talk about this idea of uh, narrative ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so Notre Dame has uh, a, a great history of, of storytelling, and there's a lot of historical stories that come along with the university's brand. Um, and so you were telling me earlier about this idea of narrative ownership. What is that? What do you guys, how do you guys like talk about that on your team? Yeah, sure. So, so narrative ownership is, it, it sounds very simple and, and it is technically it's this idea that for every university, I mean, Notre Dame, of course, but I think honestly, every, um, university big or small has, um, these pieces of information or these bits of narrative out there about them. Um, that most often live in the public consciousness in, in part, um, you know, and it's up to us, I think, as kind of stewards of the brand to give a full accounting for whatever it is that, that people are telling, you know, in part out there on, um, on the web. I'll, I'll give you an example of how this kind of started for, for us. Um, there's this uh, Twitter account, X account, sorry, uh, called yeah. um, uh, Uber Facts. I don't even know if they're still around. But this was a while ago. Uh, we were looking through our mentions, and Uber Facts um, said, "Did you know that in the 1920s, um, a group of Notre Dame students um, broke up a KKK rally, Ku Klux Klan rally, uh, and and drove them out of South Bend?" Um, and I saw that, and I said, "Well, that's our story to tell." Um, you know, great that uh, you you want to talk about the university, yeah. but you know that that's that's a piece of our history. So why don't we provide the accounting of of that um, of that story? And um, so our writer looked into it and and developed this this sort of longish form um, piece that's on nd.edu now. It's called Clash Over Catholicism because as people kind of rightly remember the KKK for their, their racism, but they were also very anti-Catholic. And that was kind of the, the friction um, that uh, our students at the time um, saw coming to South Bend. The Klan was very big in Indiana in the 1920s, and uh, they were having a rally in South Bend. And long story short, our students, it was an all-boys school at the time, Notre Dame was, and as, as boys tend to do, they get themselves um, maybe a little worked up. And so they went downtown and... Um, Long story short, a, a fight breaks out. There's fisticuffs, and um, our students kind of roughed up the clan members, even ripped like robes and hats off of some of them to keep as as, as trophies. So it was this kind of kind of weird piece of Notre Dame history. Um, yeah. And I don't want to overstate the importance of that incident, but um, it was kind of a high water mark for the KKK in Indiana. After that incident, the, their power really started to subside. Um, in the state. And so, and again, that's not necessarily because of our students or whatever, but it is kind of an interesting thing to document um, in, in, in Notre Dame's history. And so that continues to be one of our um, most viewed stories month after month. Um, and it's this piece of Notre Dame lore that, again, people are talking about out there, but maybe they don't know the whole story. Um, or 
maybe more obviously, they're getting the information from someplace other than your domain. You know, um, if it's not coming from an nd.edu website, you know, I kind of feel a responsibility to correct that um, as, as you know, the leader of, of brand content. Uh, so that's kind of where the idea started. We also have a story called um, What's in a Name? And it tells the, the lineage, the history of why we're called the Fighting Irish. Um, you know, and that one again, month to month becomes one of our most viewed stories because, um, sports mascots, uh, and nicknames every so often there's a conversation about what's appropriate and what's not. And, and, Mm -hmm. and frequently Notre Dame is mentioned in that. Well, why, what's with the fighting Irish? And, and I don't want to give any, any spoilers, but, um, Basically, um, the Irish name uh, at the time we started playing sports was actually a derogatory term um, for for Catholics or immigrants. And um, a lot of our students were um, Irish immigrants or or obviously Catholic. And the story is about how we kind of turned that into into a positive. We kind of took it on as a sort of badge of honor, um, if you will. And what those two stories do for us is... They help build a little more brand affinity. You know, it, it's not um, a heavy research piece. It's not, hey, we have a breakthrough on this this thing that really matters to people. It's, it's you're getting to know the university a little better. Um, most people, I think, when they think of Notre Dame, uh, the words you know, um, blue collar or, or hard nose don't necessarily you know, aren't necessarily top of mind, but that's in our history. That, that's definitely our roots. And these two stories help um, shape that uh, a little bit. Our main thing is if you get to know us a little better, um, our bet is that you will get to like us a little better. So you'll have so this, this brand affinity and that will increase our reach so that when we um, do need to talk about um, the breakthroughs that we're close to on peanut allergies, um, when you need to know that Notre Dame matters because um, we're making um, transplant organs viable for longer so that people who need those procedures have a better shot at making it. Um, you know, you're going to hear that because you've already developed this, this affinity and you've already kind of engaged with a piece of content that is, you know, not really about our research or our global presence or something like that, but just makes you like us a little more. Um, so that's kind of the, the bigger strategy of, of, of narrative ownership. And we got another major one um, going on uh, right now related to, to the dome as well. But that's, um, that's kind of the, the genesis and where we've seen narrative ownership take place for us. That's awesome. I love that. And in knowing that you were on TRL, I already like you more. So, you know, <laughs> exactly. We're, see- we're seeing this in action right now. <laughs> um, so the peanut allergies, I want I want to hear more about that, because here's the thing. Like, I think when people think when when a marketing team is thinking, OK, we got to tell our story or we got to tell stories. I think the, the default is to go to what's the broader narrative of the college um, or like what are the values and things like that? Or maybe it's like, well, let's t- tell some stories about our students or alumni and stuff like that. But I think something that's often really overlooked, which I find really interesting on YouTube, like I watch a lot of these videos, is um, like, what are the what's being researched, and like, how are you know, like, how can I get, how can I learn about a subject through your university, and then what are you doing with that information right now? Like, I totally t- bad example because I can't remember the university. <laughs> Oh, no, it was it was University of Chicago. They did um, uh, the history of sleep. Yeah. You know, and like sleep studies and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. And it really just um, 
it's just something c cool that's happening and that you can own like in and it's a way of saying like not just saying like we have world-class professors but it's like here's an example of like <clears throat> cool stuff that we're doing so anyway but i'm interested in the peanut allergies because mm -hmm. that's always fascinated me i've never seen so many allergies i when i turned 30 i developed an egg allergy it was just like a gift from the you know it was just like oh you're 30 now here you go here's your allergies <laughs> here's some back pain happy birthday yeah exactly yeah i sneezed and now i'm out for a week and yeah that's, that's true. yeah it is it is um yeah, peanut allergy. So we profiled this, uh, I think, most fully in, in a series we call What Would You Fight For? So we're the Fighting Irish. We have this series that airs um, uh, at halftime of home football broadcasts called What Would You Fight For? Um, and the peanut allergy was with a professor, um, I believe in engineering, who developed a way um, to, to sort of inhibit um, the... Uh, the process by which uh, the the body reacts to to a, a peanut and recognizes it as an allergen, um, mm. and something to, to get rid of, because that's ultimately what happens with with people with a, a severe peanut allergy. And so, you know, that and then the um, the heart transplant thing, you know, that is back to your brand, why you matter to people, and and I think that's what it comes back to for for universities. Um, it's one thing to, to to tout your stats. It's one thing to say, you know this percentage of our student body was in the top 5% of their class or, or, or whatever it is, that's all great. Um, those can be kind of secondary reasons to believe, but why you matter, why people should care about you, ultimately you gotta strike them kind of in the core, in the heart. Um, and, and the way you do that is, is through relatability. So I think you know the story about the KKK, the story about the, the fighting Irish, that has elements of relatability to it. And, and now you're just talking kind of institutionally, oh, Notre Dame is a place that actually is a little more relatable than, than I thought. And by the way, I care about them because I have a nephew who has a peanut allergy or you know, my uncle needs a heart transplant. And uh, Notre Dame matters because they're helping um, someone with, with my greatest need in life. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's why you matter. That's, that's what your brand is to people. That's why they should care about you. It's not so much about um, your academic prowess. Uh, it's more about what are you doing with that knowledge? Um, how are you um, helping people with the knowledge that you're creating and, and what, what you're studying? And, and that comes back to our, our mission. Um, and it's not just a Notre Dame thing. That I, I, Many universities can say this clearly. Um, but for us, you know, it, it's that knowledge for good, force for good in the world, which is very much in our, in our founding. And you know, that's why people sh should care, um, ultimately. It's great that you have cool buildings. Uh, it's great that um, you know, your, your football team is ranked, I think we're 18th um, as we're recording this. Um, that's all cool. But if you can't meet people where they are, if you can't show how your university is solving someone's critical need that they feel very personally, then ultimately you're not going to get a ton of traction and you're not going to have the brand reputation that, that you seek. Yeah, that's awesome. And the, the culturally relevant conversations for a university to jump into is, is, is tell, kind of a more goofy side. There's, um, I don't know if listeners know who Mark Rober is, hmm. but he's an engineer 
Um, and if anyone's ever seen the, like, Andy, have you seen that glitter bomb video yes. where he like, okay, so that's Mark Rober. So he's getting packages stolen, um, <laughs> from off his, off his porch. And so he is this brilliant, uh, engineer and c- came up with this, um, this <laughs> gag. So when someone stole it, would, they would open it, it would spray like fart spray <laughs> and then spray glitter everywhere. And it just keeps get, like, I think they're on like the third iteration of right. this and it just keeps getting more and more ridiculous. But, um. I just think that's such a, I mean, not like that's a really high academic thing to do, but like I always remember his videos because they're experiments on like little real life things. Like my, my kids love to go to Chuck E. Cheese. I actually love it too. <laughs> Confessions. <laughs> so, yes. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like they always want to go like swimming, like to the pool or something like, ah, right. Can we just go to Chuck E. Cheese? Like the, that's just something in it for everybody there, you know? Um, but like he did a video where he, uh, Mark Rober did a video, like there's a machine where like that light kind of goes around and around and you got to stop it like right on the yep. arrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you get a, if that, and then you get the jackpot and he like created a, a mechanism where it would automate, like it like timed it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so he, and he explained engineering through that. I'm like, this is so interesting. Cause it's like this really, if you were to just explain engineering, <laughs> right it's too it's too academic but if you were to take something that's just kind of silly and interesting i mean like i always remember that whenever i go to <laughs> yeah <laughs> right you know and, and that's the you know there's a lot of ways to look at storytelling just kind of kind of broadly right but i think the the most helpful one is to, to try to put your audience uh, as the main character in the story which means like how are they viewing this how can they see this in their life um if you will and um, you mentioned sleep. We've done a piece on sleep too with a researcher here who talks about what the mind does when when you're uh, asleep at night. And that's stuff that, you know, again, people are really interested in because that's right where they live, right? I did not get enough sleep last night. Um, might have been coming back from LA, for example, uh, yeah. <laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, and but everyone can relate to a lack of sleep because we're chronically. Um, under in that category as as Americans, I think. So, you know, even if it's not, you know, peanut allergies or heart transplants, something that's, you know, really huge and heavy, but just how am I, how are you going to help people in their everyday life? Um, you know, that, that matters so much to people. If someone can see your brand fitting into their life and what they care about in just kind of the, the day-to-day moments, man, not just in higher ed, but, but generally, um, that's where a brand really gets traction and starts to, to occupy real estate in someone's heart and mind. Yeah. And, um, I think too, just like, you know, it's, it's easy to think when you're going to, okay, we need to do more storytelling. So we're going to talk about us, right? We're going to, we're going to talk about what's our story, what's stuff that's, that people will be cool to know about us. And you should have those things. There should be, um, you know, you should have those kind of narratives, but, but also it's like, it's the power of inviting people into a story and, and you can think about storytelling, like where are we making an impact and let's tell the story of the impact or the, the story of the mission. Um, and just through learning that, like we, we know that this is brought to you by this brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think uh, there's a I sent out my newsletter, uh, a week or two ago. Um, it was, a law school and I'm blanking on the law school, but they had, they were, um, it was a whole video just about this impact that they're making. They're like inviting people into this impact that you can have as a, as a lawyer and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, be part of this mission. And I just thought that was like, man, that's, that's, that's cool. That's a way to like show, to like show your value rather than just 
tell it, you know? Yeah, that that's, that's absolutely right. I think um, what you said is right. I mean, people tend to, to be focused on themselves and, and, but the problem is they, they always go to the stats, you know, that they want to, want to, to highlight and they don't go to, well, why do we matter? Uh, and in the case of those, those lawyers, I mean, hopefully they are using their knowledge to, to help someone who needs help. Uh, and, yeah. and that's why ultimately universities matter, um, right in, in this world. So yeah, it's, um, it, there's more to it than just kind of, uh, some flashy way to say what your ranking is. Right. Yeah. There's always, I think storytelling is almost mo more powerful in the individual specific examples. And I think, um, I see just, I, I think more people need to understand the power of getting specific, you know, cause that's where like, that's where all the emotion lies. Like when you, yeah. when you're telling just kind of a story of like, like this broad thing, it's fine. But it's like, when you talk about how that made you feel or an example, something that happened that illustrates what you're trying to say. It's like, it's just so much more, uh, engaging. Um, boy, you are, you're a hundred percent right. I, I, um, I gave a talk uh, a little while ago on, um, on storytelling. And one of the things I say is that, you know, we inform with facts, but we influence with emotion. And so if you're just looking to tell someone, uh, something about your university then the facts are all you need, but if you want them to feel something about your university, then, then you need to, to influence them. And, and the way to do that is to evoke an emotional reaction. And, and that only comes through storytelling and good storytelling at, the, at that. Fine, if you want to have, um, you know, your, your rankings and your news releases and stuff like that. And we do a ton of that too. Um, mm -hmm. But to, to influence, you're going to need emotion. And the way to do that is through, is through storytelling all day long. Yeah, absolutely. Quick break here to tell you how you can scale up your student and alumni success stories without taking on a bunch of extra work to manage with Unveiled's video storytelling subscriptions. Have you ever felt that nagging feeling of discouragement in the pit of your stomach and that voice that says you're not doing enough? You're not doing enough to tell your institution's story. You're not posting video content consistently enough to your audience. Uh, you're not showing up in their feeds regularly. You're not highlighting student outcomes in as compelling of a way as you'd want. Uh, your program landing pages are dinosaurs. They're just big walls of text and you know that nobody's reading all that. Uh, the dream of having a regular cadence of quality student success stories and other video content that is driving enrollment results is a far cry from where you are now. Uh, maybe your team is already overloaded or you don't have the resources, the time, the talent, the money to really show up for prospective students with digital content and uh, reach that stage in your school's content strategy. I get it. Video marketing is hard. I'm a videographer myself. I know how to make videos. I can make myself whatever videos I want whenever I want. And yet I was regularly feeling the weight of not showing up for my audience consistently enough until I invested in a content engine, a process that would feed my business video content always without having to think much about it, a process that largely runs by itself and saves me from having to come up with an endless supply of video content to produce from scratch to inspire my audience. Uh, for me, that content engine came in the form of this podcast, specifically the video version of this podcast, and it solved a lot of that nagging feeling for me. But there are other content engines. There's a, another way to build this engine, and it's the primary way that we at Unveiled work with colleges and universities. It's a way that we help institutions regularly tell compelling student and alumni success stories that inspire 
uh, and influence prospective students and increase enrollment without having to manage a bajillion video projects one by one from scratch all year long. I'm talking about our video storytelling subscriptions. When you work with Unveiled, we're gonna film a year's worth of content and then every month we're gonna drip out a new student or alumni success story along with a package of 10 additional videos repurposed from that story uh, that you can use in various ways to promote your school. Plus, we're gonna give you all that B-roll and interview footage as part of your subscription so you can repurpose that content in an unlimited amount of ways without having to go film anything. You'll just have a growing library of commercial quality video assets uh, that you can use any way you want, including pull still images from them. Uh, and the best part is we've designed this process to run successfully without you. Without you needing to babysit it, just do some upfront work and then let the process run how it's supposed to. Wait for the stories to appear in your inbox like magic, and all you gotta do from there is distribute them. So if you wanna know how this process works on a more granular level, how we get all this content, what's required of your team, what other schools' experiences have been like with this process of working with us, how much it all costs, all that, go to pricing.unveiled.tv and download our free pricing guide. Unveiled is U-N-V-E-I-L-D. And there's also a link in the show notes you can click on. And if you have any questions, you can book a call with me on our website. And I'd love to personally walk you through what this could look like for your institution. So that's pricing.unveiled.tv. And now back to the episode. Going back to this idea of narrative ownership, where are you guys finding the stories to tell? Because um, in our pre-interview, you mentioned like you guys do a lot of listening mm -hmm. and uh, social listening and things. Let's talk about the social listening part of that. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the, the Uber Facts thing, uh, which was which was a big one for us. Um, you know, and I think the other one with the um, uh, the why we call the Fighting Irish. I think there was an anchor on ESPN who wondered aloud whether. Um, you know, fighting Irish was appropriate. And so, you know, it sounds very obvious, John, but uh, honestly, a lot of it's just going through your um, your mentions, whatever platform you have to kind of capture that, just kind of going through and, and saying, you know, is there something here that, um, not that we want to respond to every story opportunity, right? Um, mm -hmm. But is there something here that, that helps the brand a little bit? Um, and is clearly something that people we think would um, respond to? And where those two kind of things intersect, you know, um, kind of our, our gut feel for, for what makes a good story and uh, would it elevate the brand and are people talking about it uh, without us, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. then we think we might have um, a story. The other time, the other way to kind of get at these is, is what's happening in the life of your university. And, you know, we're, as we're recording this, we're undergoing um, a pretty major storytelling rollout around um, our most recognizable campus landmark, which is the main building, better known to um, everyone else as the Golden Dome. And for the first time in 18 years, the, the dome and the Statue of Mary at the top uh, are being regilded. And just stop there and think about this. This didn't happen since 2005. And, and you think about what storytelling and content looked like in 2005, a very different world um, now. So we thought this was an opportunity um, to, to really capitalize on something that has happened about a dozen times in the life of the university, but uh, never with this amount of uh, platforms and tools to kind of tell the story. So we've got out the drones. We've been up there with the scaffolding uh, to really kind of document this process because our bet is if you know the story of the main building, if you know the dome, you'll know Notre Dame. 
Uh, it is a microcosm for the university's um, history and, and reputation and just kind of what it what its mission is. And so we took the, this opportunity to kind of build some of that out. So why is there a dome here? Why did uh, they put a statue of Mary at, at, the, at the top? And what was the dome's history? And if you understand that, um, I think you'll, you'll understand Notre Dame a little more. And again, I think you'll have a little more affinity. I mean, we draw you in with the pretty pictures because it is really stunning work that's being done and, and there's access that uh, you don't get from the ground. I mean, our photographers are up there, you know, high in the air kind of kind of doing this work. And, um, and we're using that opportunity to tell you more about um, universities. So really strong visuals to, as kind of a hook, but then, hey, read a little more and you understand that uh, this was a place for immigrants and kind of blue collar folks to find a home. Uh, at, mm. at the start. And a lot of students actually paid their way by working on campus buildings um, <laughs> at, at mm. the start. And you wouldn't think about that about Notre Dame now. Uh, I don't think we have those, those scholarships anymore. But, um, you know, and, and so, and sure enough, uh, in our first iteration of, of this sort of storytelling package, um, our photo essay platform saw a 900% increase um, relative to average in terms of users. Um, we had what we would call a statistical anomaly uh, in terms of page views to, to nd.edu. So it's clearly something that, that our audience was was interested in, wanted to know um, mm -hmm. more about. And so there's kind of an innate knowledge. I've been at the university for 11 years, and you kind of build that um, a little bit. Like this is what I think would, would work uh, for our audience. Um, and then capitalizing when you know you may not have another opportunity. And, you know, if I'm here in 18 years, great. And I'm happy to do this uh, regild thing again. But, you know, I may not be. And so um, I wanted to kind of, we wanted to, to really kind of uh, capitalize on, on the opportunity to, to kind of own that narrative around, you know, certainly our most recognizable campus landmark and, and a building that I think most people would recognize if they saw a picture of it, too. Yeah, and how do how do you roll these stories out? Like, what's the what's the campaign look like once you mm -hmm. once you have one of these? So the um, the first iteration of the reguild was kind of interesting. Our internal comms director, um, General Liberto, she actually um, said, you know, why don't we roll this out to the internal audience first? They're the ones who are seeing seeing this every day, and they're kind of wondering what's going on. And 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 it was really the right strategy um, all day long. So we rolled it out internally first. Um, and then not long after that, you know, I think even same day, we, uh, we rolled it out on, on social first. Um, and and kind of like what you were saying with, um, with YouTube shorts, you know, these, these short snippets that lead you back to the long form. I mean, that was, that was kind of how we've done business for a long time, and that's what we did here. Um, our social engagement was, um, I think, 12%. Uh, our engagement rate, which is, you know, double what we normally get. We do pretty well there anyway, but that's double what we, what we normally get. So it was, it was kind of that internal audience first and then, and then the public um, outlay. Uh, this next iteration, which should hit this week as we're recording this, um, will probably be external facing first um, and then maybe internal following that. Normally, our, our storytelling um, is uh, posted on indie.edu first, uh, and then we kind of come in um, with uh, with our social to, to to point there. So it's a very common strategy. We're we're not doing anything overly difficult or revolutionary there, um, but it, it's working. I mean, frequently and consistently, our our main referral source is our social media channels um, all day long, and so uh, that's working for us, and we're kind of sticking with it. 
That's cool. And you mentioned you had a you have a writer. Mm-hmm. What? Tell me about the play between like, does somebody write a script, um, and then your videographers go out, or is it like interview based? Like, tell me about the play between the different roles in the storytelling. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because our writer, our designated writer, is mostly just working on long form content. He's a journalist by trade. A lot of us in the higher ed communications community are. Um, and so, you know, he kind of uses those skills to find interesting stories and, and bring in the human element and, and stuff like that. So he's a trained journalist and he does that very well. When it comes to scripting videos, honestly, for the most part, we leave that to our videographers. Um, we say, here are the three things, you know, we're a lot, to, a lot of times me or someone else from our team is there for the interview to kind of have another set of ears. Um, and then we kind of say, here's the three things that I heard that, that should make it into the piece. Um, other than that, just make it fit. Mm-hmm. We give them a lot of leeway and creative, creative control over, um, over their work that way. And, and that's worked very well. Um, you know, we've not seen uh, a need to have um, a script sort of f- fleshed out in any real and complete sense most of the time. Now, if we're doing um, something that's not like a narrative package and is more um, like our 32nd institutional spot, which we are, are working on uh, right now, which will air during all of our, our sports broadcasts. Then we do have, uh, I wrote the script for that one this year, and then we do kind of have like a storyboard uh, type technique. But in the day-to-day, we don't normally get into that. We just kind of let the videographers uh, do their thing. Does your internal team handle like the bigger stuff too, like the commercials? Uh, yeah. So we, we generate, we do that all in house. Um, we have gone out for like voiceover, um, before, but, uh, this year's, I think will be hundred percent in house. We come up with the idea, we, uh, write it, we shoot it, um, sometimes on location. Uh, and that means, you know, various locations where Notre Dame has a presence in the world. Um, so yeah, our internal, uh, team, uh, has, has taken the lead on that. Boy, I want to say for last maybe eight years or so, uh, it's it's been quite a while since we've gone outside for for that particular piece. Yeah, and one I talked to a lot of marketing directors that um, you know about like an asset library, a B roll library, picture library, whatever, um, and that's a big problem that I I think you know we see is that especially if you're going to go tell stories like historical stories. Tell us about how you guys address that problem or solve it. Like, do you guys have archives somewhere? Is it organized? Is that kind of just a, the wild west and you're trying to figure it out right now? Or um, it's it's somewhere in between. I don't know if it's the wild west, but uh, it's it's um, it's not very settled. I would <laughs> I would I would say um, I, we have a great university archives department here who who is very helpful. Uh, you know, and like, hey, we need this um, footage of you know whatever it was. Um, Dwight Eisenhower, um, you know, coming to campus uh, or whatever, mm. and and they're usually great with with kind of locating that and and finding it. We have to get creative other times. Um, you know, if we know that we have to show an old time lab um, and it and it needs to be a video thing, then we're we're staging uh, for dramatic effect. There's a little bit of an art form. It's not just pure journalism that we're trying to mm-hmm. trying to execute on here. Um, so we'll do what's needed um, for that. We've, we've at times used, if we just have a still image, but it's a really compelling one, we've done the Ken Burns thing, um, you know, the, the pan uh, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I don't do that a ton. But um, for the most part, what we need, uh, we have. We're always, um, and, and now I think we're, we're kind of turning our attention here again to, to update our campus B-roll 
library. You know, we're building a lot of new facilities on campus, uh, some high-end research stuff that, uh, you know, is going to be important uh, for us to kind of document and, and see, because um, you'll need that look and feel in a story from time to time. And uh, so that's kind of the main thing that we're, we're still always grabbing. The historical stuff, we have some uh, help uh, with university archives. Other, other than that, we're kind of staging. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, awesome. Well, this has been this has been a great conversation. What would be your um, your charge or your advice to other schools, um, small or big, that uh, you know maybe have stories like these to tell? What would you advise to other people? Yeah, you know, I um, I think it does go back to to narrative ownership. And here's the thing: I think in higher ed, we're so interested in differentiation, um, and unfortunately, I think a lot of times where that sort of exercise goes is the comparison game. Um, we're not like um, state you because ABC. And so we need to we need to tell that story. I'm someone who believes differentiation will never come through comparison. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you've got to know yourself intimately first and then tell those stories that are, here's just us. Don't worry about anyone else. Here's here's just us, and you gotta trust that presenting yourself compellingly uh, will attract the right people to to your university. Um, so it comes with finding, you know, and we've talked about ways to kind of find those those stories. Some of which are, are kind of no brainers, um, mm-hmm. but tell your own story first, irrespective of what everyone else is doing and what everyone else looks like. Tell you for you and be in your character. Um, and, and I think you got a better shot at success that way. Yeah. That's great advice. The first episode of this podcast was all about that, uh, yeah. dif- differentiating, um, through storytelling. And I think I 100% agree with you. I think you're spot on that. Like at a certain point, there's only so many words to describe a higher education experience. Yeah. People are com- people are coming out of high school or maybe going back to school as adults, uh, and they they're learning something so that they can advance their lives, advance their careers, yep. make an impact on the world. Okay, so there's only I mean there's thousands and thousands of schools, <laughs> only so many words to use to describe different ways that you do that. Exactly. Um, so the, so the differentiation, yeah, by comparison is tough. But when you but like those stories, it's really just kind of a natural differentiator mm-hmm. is telling stories that only exist for you, you know, and they might exist in a similar way somewhere, somewhere else. Like, you know, someone, you know, did something cool, got a cool award, got a cool job, you know, whatever. But those stories might exist other places too, but like no one else, no other school can claim that story and that emotional connection that you've, that you've created through telling that story. Um, and I think that's why I like, you know, so much, so much money is probably invested on having marketing consultants come yeah. in and, and try to pick the right words and things like that. But, um, and that's important. I mean, you should, you should get clear on your audience. I did, a um, have a story that came out about Walsh college here in uh, Michigan, how the, in partnership with them getting, they had a change of leadership. They got really clear on who their, um, student is that they're going after. And then they told the story and it was like those two combined, um, you know, learning who, who they're not for was important. Uh, and then they were able to increase enrollment by, by over 40%, you know, by getting, getting specific like that. But, you know, at a certain point, um, there's also, you kind of got to break away from that and be like, all right, just what, 
what's going on here that's that's like really that's compelling well i think that's that's a great example um and and i think what you said something really important there because regardless of of who you are i mean um whether you're notre dame whether you're walsh i went to a small liberal arts school called bethel university which is here in mishawaka whatever size you are you're always trying to attract the right student I mean, there are universities, and, and I would say Notre Dame's probably one of them. They don't need, like, um, volume yeah. of people, but everyone's looking for the right people, regardless of, of who you are, to, to come to your, your institution. And so being authentic and, and, and kind of raising that flag, like, here's who we are, <clears throat> and if you resonate with this, hey, check us out, I think is something everyone is after, including Notre Dame. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate yeah. you coming on the show. Where can people uh, connect with you at? Yeah, so um, I am on uh, threads, Andy underscore Fuller, uh, and then same handle on, on Instagram as well, and then uh, Andy Fuller on, on LinkedIn. How, how is your uh, one follow, PS follow-up question here? How is, it, how is your personal experience on threads been with that Andy, under, uh, Andy Fuller account? Yeah, I, I've liked it. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's funny. I, um, I, there's some sorting that needs to happen because, you know, you import your, your Instagram following automatically and the people you follow on Instagram, you're not interested in a Twitter-like experience from them. Um, so there's been some sorting and trying to get my, what was my Twitter community, um, you know, to be replicated on, on threads. And we're still sorting through that. I think overall the platform is fine. Um, it largely does what it needs to do. It feels like, and, and, you know, believe it or not, Zuck does not care what I think, but, uh, <laughs> it feels like they need to, to iterate a little more quickly. Uh, I think to stick with some of the, the momentum they have, but, yeah. um, you know, for me personally, I, I, I love it. I think it's been great. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, it's been great. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for listening. Uh, three things I want to give you before you go. Number one, a reminder to go to pricing.unveiled.tv if you're interested in our subscriptions and download our pricing guide. Also, number two, reminder to sign up for my weekly newsletter uh, for insights on creating deeper emotional impact with your institution's storytelling and content creation efforts. And number three, would love for you to leave a review for this podcast. It helps me out a ton. Thanks for listening. My name is John Azoni. Go connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, and in the meantime, I'll catch you on the next episode of the Higher Ed Storytelling University Podcast. Podcast. Thanks.